Amen. I'm always grateful to have my family sing with me. And, I, you know, that song goes way back to when we were just children. And I, every time I, I pull out that song just to sing it, it, it's just a song that I think, in all reality, if it wasn't for the cross of Christ, the blood atonement, where would we be? Thank God for His blood. It's the remission of our sins, and we have hope in Christ. And that is the one scarred hand that heals us and helps us. At this time, if the children will please be dismissed to head down to Children's Chapel this morning. And again, I'd like to make a correction as I was going through our visitors. It's not Tom and Cindy. It's Doug and Cindy Wartz. They're friends of mine, and he's probably thinking he's not a friend right now because he does, the pastor don't even know his name. And uh, so anyhow, I just want to say we are blessed to have you. And again, if you guys walked up to him and said, Tom, well, that's your new name, Doug. And <laughs> see, we nickname everybody around here. You know, it's kind of how it is. Uh, I know Doug through the Nepali Fellowship here at our church. And uh, so for some, it's, it's, it's kind of neat. I also want to welcome um, John and Jody's new foreign exchange son. And uh, for some, they would say his name's Colin. For others, they would say Corin. For others, they would say Yung Fang Yao and all that. And I don't know what I just said. I hope it was right. Okay, thanks, Don. He's like, no, I don't either. But anyhow, welcome to America. We're blessed to have you. Thank you for being with us. This morning, the church is Christ's body. If you would, please take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. This morning... Our churches come in all styles, shapes, and forms, kind of as human beings. Secret meetings in homes, wide open gatherings in amphitheaters, worship services, packing thousands into a sanctuary while an overflow crowd watches on closed circuit television. Handfuls who kneel in urban storefronts. Buildings will vary, but the church is not confined to four walls. Please turn on the fans if you would, please. The church of Jesus Christ is people. Do you hear what I'm saying? The church of Jesus Christ is people. His people. Of every race. Of every tribe. And of every nation. Who love Christ and are committed to serving Him. It was awesome when I was able to meet with Pastor Dahl and our New Hope Nepali Fellowship. As we went to church, we were able to meet in a house of 60 people that were gathered in a living room that was about, I would say, 12 by maybe 16. 60 people. Some were sitting on the steps. Some were in the dining room. And I'm here to tell you today that it didn't matter to me that I was there sitting on that couch because I was part of a fellowship of believers. Church was taking place in that home. You see, for some, you would say, but, you know, and I've had people come to the church and say, but I like contemporary music. But I'm a man who loves traditional hymns. Well, church, it's not about the music. It's not about the temperature in the building. The church is about you, the body of believers. 
as we were sitting there and the Spirit of God was rich, I didn't even know what they were singing or what they were saying. But the Spirit of God was able to show me, yes, we're here to worship. Because His Word is true where it says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm in the... He's there with us. Do we fail to realize that sometimes? This morning in prayer and reflection as we were praying. And if you haven't made it to our prayer and reflection, open and pray that someday you'll make it. So we got in small groups and we prayed. We do three things. We pray upwardly, outwardly, and inwardly. We take the Psalms and we've been going through that. We just finished up Psalms chapter 9. But we as a church get to come together and we get to uplift our heart to Christ. We get to say a prayer. We get to, to praise God for who He is. We don't take time throughout the course of our week in the midst of our quiet time to say, God, I'm here because I want to have a relationship with You. But the Verizon wireless bill comes in and you notice that you've texted 2,350 times over the last month. But we don't pick up His Word. And we don't sit and spend that quiet time with Him in His Word. It starts with you as the body of believers coming together as the bigger picture to do the work of the Lord. The Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians presents a theological high watermark. One of its great themes is the exalted place of the church in the economy of God. And this morning I want you to consider four images of the church provided for us by Paul. I won't make it long or lengthy, but I do want you to understand as Paul was going to the church of Ephesus, really what was he doing as he was establishing the church? We've established a church that started on 4th Street at Leslie's house with 27 people. In the next week or two, we then moved to the YMCA, where I think our first attendance, we had 47 people or 67 people. Then after four months, I believe it was, or the six-month mark, we ended up being at the Cork Cultural Center, where then the church started to grow. And I'm here to tell you, church, that when God's in it, that's where I want to be. So all of us must realize that we cannot do the work alone. That we as the body of believers have got to embrace one another and the greater commission before Jesus ascended into heaven and He said, go into the highways and hedges. Make a difference. Some people are called to be TV evangelists. Some people are called to be soul winners. Some people are called just to be a prayer warrior. But it takes every person in the church to uphold their calling and their respective duty and their giftings in that church. We often miss it, realize that, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? Cry out to God, pray out to Him and say, God, what is it you want me to do? I want to use my giftings to further your kingdom. That's the body of Christ. Four images of the church. One, Paul's affirmation of Christ's ultimate authority. Two, I'll be showing you the designation of Christ's functional headship. The revelation of the church's exalted relationships. And then fourth, you should have a healthy respect for the leadership Christ gives the church. In Ephesians chapter 1 verses 22 and 23, 
It reads, and hath put all things under his feet. Go back to verse 21. I want to read that because I, I love this. Now I'm going to go back to verse 20. I might start in Genesis chapter 1. I haven't decided yet. Now let's do verse... Uh, yeah, Let's start 19. I, I like that too. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us for it who believe according to the working of his mighty power? I had to start there because there's a comma and it all runs together. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set... I love that. Appointed him. He seated him at his own right hand in where? In the heavenly places. So where's Jesus sit? At the right hand of God. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Verse 22. And he has put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the, which is his, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Here Paul is the author of Ephesians. And it was written to the church of Ephesus and all believers everywhere. And the purpose was to strengthen the believers in Ephesus in their Christian faith by expressing the nature and purpose of the church, the body of Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to You this morning. And Father, as I come to You, Lord, help me to explain Your bride. I know, Father, that we're to present Your church without spot, without wrinkle. And Father, today I claim that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And that I'm not even worthy that He stand behind this pulpit and preach Your Word. But Father, I'm thankful for Your saving grace. The awesome responsibility that comes with the calling that Father, You've called me to do. So as Isaiah said in his Word, may Your Word go forth, may it not come back void. But, Father, may it prosper to each person. And this morning, Lord, may we understand your bride, the church, and our responsibility in this body of believers. Hide me in your shadows. Speak through me today, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. The church is Christ's body. Ephesians records nine references to the church as the body of Christ. And as we've noticed in verse 22 and 23, the concept was introduced here. Consider Paul's insight and their implications. First, notice Paul's affirmation of Christ's ultimate authority. Now, I know a lot of times I preach messages that maybe might be uh, more encouraging, give you power as... You receive it and you walk in the ways of the Lord. But this morning, I want you to understand, and as you you struggle in your own walk and maybe your own relationship and finding out what your responsibility is in Christ, this morning, I want you to embrace and say, I must and I will make a difference in North Hill, Ohio. You know what? One little flashlight shines some light, right? But if you grab 60 flashlights, there's a lot of lights going on, right? But if you grab 200, man, that's a big, huge lighthouse that's going on. We cannot fulfill the Great Commission 
by doing it alone. So we must realize that Christ has ultimate authority over this body of believers. Paul tells us that the Father, at his own initiative, put all things in subjection. And you'll notice in verse 22, it says, what did he do? He put it under his feet. There was a designation there. This is a clear declaration of Christ's cosmic rule. He's the ultimate and final authority over all that exists. Not just in North Hill, Ohio. Not just in Summit County. Not in Portage County. Not in Nepal to the Nepali people. But around the world, he has final authority. I pledge allegiance to the flag. Well, we do that and then we say we're one nation under... May we be reminded of that, Christian. May we be reminded that God has ultimate authority. Ephesians chapter 122 says that it was under his feet. I want you to look, if you would, please, to Mark 16, 19. You're going to go back. That's Matthew, Mark 16, 19. As I show you just the authority that Jesus Christ has. And I won't spend a lot of time, but we'll reference a couple of these scriptures. Matthew 16, 19 says this. So then after the Lord had spoken unto him, unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. So there he is at his ascension. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Isn't that wonderful to be a Christian? And then to think that we have, you know, it says in Scripture that we've been made a little lower than the angels and we've been crowned with glory and honor. But it also referenced that Jesus Christ was made a little lower than the angels. And you can see at the right hand of God, the throne of God, there sits Jesus Christ who intercedes on our behalf. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. Turn with me if you would, please. Now we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Philippians 2, verse 9. It says in His Word, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him, and given Him a name which is above every name. Given Him a name, a more excellent name, a superior name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is to the glory of God the Father. And then I want to conclude with 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And it says in verse 22, as we acknowledge His supremacy and where He sits and understand what our responsibility is as the body, we must realize His authority. He has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. Isn't that awesome? And to think the power and authority that He has. 
It's amazing. This, is this not what Christ Himself affirmed in the Great Commission? When He declared, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. And is this not what Paul was explaining when I just read in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11? When he related, the Father has highly exalted Jesus and given Him a name above every other name. The name of Jesus. Notice that Paul tells us the Father, He put all things in subjection under His feet. The word put means that it is an accomplished fact which can never be reversed. He is the ultimate authority for all that exists. Jesus is the Messiah. He's God's anointed one, the one Israel longed for, the one who would set their broken world right. And as Christians, we can be confident that God has won the final victory and is in control of everything, even the church. Amen? Jesus Christ is the divinely appointed ruler over the entire universe for the church's benefit. Second, notice the designation of Christ's functional headship. The Father also gave Him as head over all. All this to the church. Again, this decisive act of the Father cannot and will not ever be reversed. Jesus Christ is the head and He is the ruler of New Hope Christian Fellowship. And it is not up for debate and it's not up for discussion. He is the final authority of this church. Paul's point is that the Lord Jesus owns the church. He leads the church he gives direction to the church, and He provides the church its operational and strategic marching orders. It is not the place of the church to dictate to the head, but the head to dictate to the church. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm going to repeat that to you again. It is not the place of the church to dictate to the head, but the head to dictate to the church. Woe to any so-called believer who assumes this truth is optional. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 8 says this, Thou hast put all things in subjection under His feet. Isn't that amazing? For in that He put all in subjection under Him, He left nothing that is not put under Him. How many of you have seen an organizational chart in a company? Most of us would say every company has an organizational chart. And if you don't have one, you should have one. It helps. You know whose responsibilities are what and what they're supposed to do. And if you don't have an organizational chart, it's important. That way when some employees forget, you just go to the chart and go, oh, that's right, he is my boss. I mean, I don't know why they didn't figure that out before. I does, he does sign the checks. So that would make a little bit of sense. We realize that in the church, in the organizational chart, Got God the Father and Jesus Christ, and I'm the under shepherd to the great high shepherd. And then you have an awesome responsibility from deacon and trustee and to elders in the church 
to fulfill the great responsibility and the great commission as we all see souls saved and lives changed. I wanted to, to share with you that I was approached by a church that wanted me to join with them. And as I walked through this building, I was kind of moved, and, and I say me, and I mean us. Sure, it was a great, beautiful facility. It was a great, wonderful, big place. And that's oh, what I do when I just walked around. I'm like, I could fill that room, and I could fill that room, and I could fill that room. Wow, it's such a shame that this church, which was a big, huge square, and I called it a campus, half of it shut down, not even being used. And as I went to the Lord in prayer, I said, God, you're the, you're the leader of this, and you've got to lead our church. I said, you know, with Nepali Fellowship being here, and I, I would, nothing would please me more than to not have them come at 3 o'clock, but to have them in our building, and then they're having church at the same time we're having church. Wouldn't that be great? Because I've come to know them and love them with all my heart. But now I harass Benode and Sanjay and the rest of them. I've, I've come to love them. And it was saddened. It saddened me that when I called back and as I was talking to them and they, they approached me about the whole thing, that they made this comment to me. Well, we're just curious if you want to rent part of the building. I said, rent part of the building? I'm not renting no part of any building. And I said, well, what are you talking about? Well, you know what? It's kind of like this. You know, our church is being used as a rec center. I said, pardon me? Yeah, our church is being used as a rec center. We hold church services on Sunday. You know what the scripture says? God forbid that ever happened at New Hope Christian Fellowship. This place is used, everything about it is used for His glory. And you need to remember that. If, if the Lord took me home, standing right here on this platform, or on my way home, wherever it's at, you use this ministry for His glory, because we cannot have God's blessings or anointing upon this church if He's not the head of it. And you know what I said to her? Well, guess what? I don't want any part of it. I'm not up for a recreation center. I'd go back to the YMCA if that's what I wanted to do. God has given us a wonderful responsibility. He's given us a building to freeze you guys right out of here. He's given us a building to be able to have lights and comfortable seats. And now it's up to us to take care of His bride and to take care of the responsibility that God has given it to us for. Now, let me show you. These are empty seats. We need to fill them. You're the body of believers. We have a message to share with unbelievers. Did you ever think that somebody just wants you to say, would you come to church? I would love to see a church this Sunday. You heard what I said. Christ died for all. Red, yellow, black, or white, you are precious in His sight because Jesus loves the little children of the world. We must realize that it's just not an organization that Jesus Christ is the head of this ministry. Third, notice the revelation of the church's exalted relationships. It says in verse 23 of Ephesians, 
which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Paul introduces us to the concept that the church is Christ's body. He is here teaching by analogy. He is telling us that what a head is to the physical body. So Christ is to the church. We have a vital, living, exalted relationship. When was the last time that you knelt, maybe grabbed the hand of somebody and said, can we pray together? When was the last time that you really reached out and embraced somebody? You're here to admonish one another, to encourage one another, to lift one another up, to have a relationship. Another comment that was said to me was, and and I'm going to share this with you, not as a way in negativity, but to share this with you, because this is my heart. When the individual on the phone said to me in regard to getting this church, she said, well, what are you going to do with those people? I said, what are you going to do with those people? I said, we are the people. She goes, no, I mean those people. And I said, are you talking about my brothers and sisters in Christ, the Nepali Fellowship? And she said, yes. I said, well, what do you think I'm going to do with them? Where I go, they go. I'm their shepherd. I cannot lead sheep over on North Hill and we're in the west side of Akron. That's just not going to work. I got off there. I said, glory be to God. I don't have to worry about it. Thank you, Lord. You've revealed yourself again. When we think we're ministering to a certain class of people, then we've lost it. We've lost our mission focus as a church. Jesus Christ wants a relationship and if you're not building relationships in this building then what are you doing? Don't just be a taker. Be a giver. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. We need to give. And we as a body of believers must give. And I'm not talking monetarily. When was the last time you really did a little uh, I would say assessment of your own life as an individual? Am I giving of my time, my talents, and my tithe? Am I giving what I should? Am I giving just, just 10% of my time? What about my giftings? Am I giving 10% of that? God loves you. He loved you so much that He died for you. He wants to have a deep relationship with you. We notice that the next phrase in verse 23 it says, For the fullness of Him who fills all in all, Tell us that we as the church are, the, are to complement the Lord Jesus Christ. The world sees Him by seeing us. Do you hear me? The world sees Him by seeing us. As the head expresses itself through its body, so Christ expresses Himself in this world through His body. What a profound and sobering thought. Now in short, since this is the reality, what are the implications of the church being Christ's body? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a vital relationship with Him. The world's supposed to see us through Him. Could you guys imagine? You guys should have seen the way I woke up this morning. My hair, you guys don't understand, I've got curly hair. It was like... It was screaming, do something with me. But if my head 
looked kind of quirky up here, you guys would be snickering all through church. Right? So the reality is, because you're staring at me. Some of you are sleeping, so you're not staring at me. No, just kidding. And, uh, but if we're looking up here, remember the head actually moves. When, when the body moves this way, the body's not going that direction. It's moving in this direction. So we as believers got to look at it like this. We as the church, if we're not living a holy life, as the scripture says, be holy as. So if you're not being holy and living your life in Christ, then the head is not a great representation of the body. We need to get right with God. We need to have a deeper relationship and then have the fullness of Christ as we walk in the ways of the Lord. Ephesians 5.23 says this. You can turn over there if you would. Ephesians 5.23. It says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as... Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And then He proceeds to say, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. He gave Himself for it. I love what it says. I, I want to read my, my footnotes because this is my Liberty University Bible College Bible that I use. And I love what it says. It says, forgives the reason why, verse 22, calls a wifely submission, but as Jesus is the divinely appointed head or authority over his church, in the same way, the husband is the divinely appointed head or authority of his wife. And he is the savior or the protector of the body. As Jesus is responsible to provide for the welfare of his church, so the husband is responsible to protect his wife. In both cases, the responsibility to protect is inseparably linked with the responsibility to provide spiritual leadership. Our responsibility, church, listen, is to provide spiritual leadership to all mankind. Would you agree? That is our responsibility. This is not a recreation center. We're not putting a pool in over here when we break ground. We're putting in a multi-purpose room. We're going to put in classrooms so that the work of Christ can move forward. It is your responsibility as the body to do what? To exemplify and to represent the church in the way that God the Father wants it represented. Holy. It saddens me that you've lost focus. That I've lost focus. That we as churches have lost focus because you know what? Let's dim the lights. Let's get the rock band out and let's just start rocking and rolling because music's what's going to bring them in. What happened to the good old word bringing people in? People have forgotten what our role is, our responsibility to lead by example. Maybe this morning the Lord's reaching down and the Holy Spirit's ministering to you. And you're saying, I'm dealing with some things. Well, I hope and pray to God that you are. Because you have a responsibility. Listen, this body, if I didn't have this right leg, I wouldn't be standing up here. We all have to work together. 
And when this arm starts to get all gimped up, I'd have a difficult time holding my Bible and turning the pages. Sometimes we get all gimped up and all messed up in our Christian walk. And what ends up happening? Then when we lose focus, all of a sudden, this is the ministry. The church just hobbles along. And it can't make it where it needs to go. Listen, seven years. What a phenomenal milestone. Seven years. God's blessings have been upon this church. Seven years. I've seen people walk the aisle. Souls saved and lives changed. This is His church. Not Todd's church. So what does that mean? You as the body of believers must embrace your church. Quit talking about your neighbor. Love them. Help them. Encourage them. Pray for them. And I'm talking about the neighbor that sits next to you in the pew. When was the last time you noticed that somebody is lacking in the fullness of Christ? People will say, you know what, I love being around him or her because you know what, they're just full of the Spirit. They're such an encouragement to me. I mean, when I walk away from them, I feel so uplifted. I'm encouraged, and that's my life. And then there's others that would say, whew, here they come. Run as fast as you can. Maybe we need some spiritual encouragement for them. We've all been there, and we know it. But we must realize what our responsibility is as he is the protector of the body. I love my wife. I tell her almost every single day. I said almost because I didn't want to have to lie behind the pulpit. How beautiful she is and how appreciative I am that Becky serves with me in the ministry. I was in my office last night and I texted her and I said, Becky, thank you so much for always supporting me. She's always such a protector of the time I study. She's always aware. You know, yesterday morning, it even kind of moved me up. She's like, honey, you've got, we've got this birthday party. You've got the outreach at the church. You've got to run over to see Matt and Karen. When are you going to do this? I said, hey, the Lord will work it out. But there's nothing sweeter than when I get to go to my office and open up God's Word and allow God's Word to start to infiltrate in my life. And then I get to come here today and talk about who his lovely bride. I love to brag about my wife. But I love to brag about the bride of Christ. His body. The church. When was the last time you said, I just want to brag about my church? I was walking around at the Randolph Fair and there was a t-shirt that says, I love my church. Did anybody see that? Okay. And uh, I'm like, what? We need that shirt. Because I want you to know, I love New Hope Christian Fellowship. And I love you. And I'm serious. I'm thankful that I can be your pastor. And realize that I can encourage you to have the fullness of Christ. And I want to thank you for taking care of His bride. Because it's very, very important to me. The church. Be holy as I am holy. When you took that step of faith to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You entered into a relationship which will never be taken away. You now have a Savior who loves you. Who cares for you. 
who desires to mature you and use you to impact this world with his reality. He knows you better than you know yourself and loves you with an uncompromising love. Yes, you have a vital relationship and a responsibility with him and for him. So let it grow. I love the song, Come just as you are. Hear the Spirit's call. What he's saying is, come just as you are. Let the Holy Spirit work in you. You know, y'all would be a little bit shocked, I think, if you let go and let God. You'd probably be like, you know, some of you. It's church. But as soon as you find out and you have Christ in your life and you desire that sincere relationship, milk of the Word, then all of a sudden, as Patty says, I just want to stop, shout and say, Glory! It gets you so excited because our relationship should be one that we should be excited about. That's the church. That's the body of Christ. You have a vital relationship with all others and all believers. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16, I'm going to reference this and then I'll be concluding. Ephesians 2, 16, and it says, And that he might reconcile both unto God and in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Having slain the enemy Then I also want you to turn over to chapter 3, verse 6, and it says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Now, I'm going to stop for just a minute. You have the Jews, you have the Gentiles. Now it's a little bit of Bible theology class 101. The Jews, because they were God's chosen people, always thought that they had precedence over the Gentiles. But I love what Christ said, and in his writing, he says, listen, for by my grace are you saved now through faith. It's not of yourself, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's by the grace of God. So now we've got the Gentiles, and it says that they're fellow heirs. I always look at it like this. If you have a will, and somebody writes out a will, then you're heir to that will, correct? Or you've seen that uh, there's Prince Charles, and what's the other one, Prince William? Thank you. And... uh, So they are heir to what? The throne, to the royal throne here on earth. But it says here that you are fellow heirs. And so what Paul was trying to teach the church at Ephesus, he said, listen, I've had it with you Jewish people. It's time you realize that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And he died for you, the body of believers. You all have a wonderful, rich heritage, and that's the kingdom of heaven for those that believe and call upon His name. It says in His Word, fellow heirs and of the same body. So Paul was like, come on, you guys, settle down here. Why are we drawing a line, Jews over here, Gentiles over here? Let's come together for the greater cause of Christ. Why do we do that? This group over here, this class up there, this group up front, this group in back. How about if we all just group together? I think that's pretty simple. But it's difficult sometimes for us to do that. 
And I understand that, that every personality is different. Every characteristic is different. You know, I remember what Dick, one of the guys, Dick Duncan, who I worked for, he said, listen, you always remember sometimes in life people won't like you for the color of your hair or the color of the clothes that you wear. How about that? Let's ignore some of that. And even though I said the face must look beautiful, let's ignore sometimes what we want to do is judge the outward appearance start looking at the heart. Because sometimes when you get to know somebody, they are bubbling over with the love of Christ. They're bubbling over with so much joy and excitement for Christ. It's amazing. This morning, I want you to have a vital relationship with Him and not have to, to separate. You see, Paul feels compelled to let the Gentile believers at Ephesus know they are not second-class citizens in the kingdom, nor do they need to take a backseat or secondary role to their Jewish brethren. He is quick to note that we are all members of one body. The Gentile believer now stands equal with the Jewish believers. We are all fellow heirs of Jesus Christ, fellow members of His body, and fellow partners of the promises in Christ Jesus. By the way, how are your relationships? Let them be strengthened starting this morning. The church we stand unified as one body to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to all mankind. I love it that we do have Nepali fellowship here. I looked at the group. We were having church service a couple weeks ago and I said, it's not the responsibility of New Hope to continue to minister to the Nepali. It's the Nepali's now responsibility to go to the highways and hedges. You see, Jesus didn't make the commandment for everybody in North Hill that's just in New Hope. He made the commandment for all mankind to build the body of Christ, to come together because He says we're two or more together in my name. I'm in the midst. The church is an important facet of Christ, an important element of Christ. If God is not in it, then I'm not for it. Do you hear what I'm saying? If God is not in it, then I'm not for it. As we conclude with our last point, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, you can turn there, verses 11, 12 and 13, you, have, you should have a healthy respect for the leadership Christ gives the church. And it says this, And he gave some apostles some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, for the encouragement of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Paul relates that leadership is not elected or selected, but it is given. Paul said that it was given. The the reasonability is to equip the saints, members of the body, for the work of service and to build up the body of Christ. Anytime leadership is not respected, Christ is grieved and the work of God suffers. Do you hear what I'm saying? Anytime. Leadership is not respected. Christ is grieved and the work of God suffers. One mark of having a vital relationship with Jesus Christ is that you have a healthy respect for the leadership God gives His church. So follow the lead. Ephesians 4.16 reads, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted, knit together, By that which every joint supplieth according 
to the effectual or effective working in the measure of every part, meaning each part doing its share, maketh increase, it causes it to grow of the body unto the edifying of itself. And then I love it, and I put it in big letters as I wrote it down in, in my Bible, in love. I could show you it's in red. Because I really believe God wants us to do it in love. How many of you get tired and worrisome sometimes? I know I do. And I think sometimes when I'm exhausted, my love just isn't being expressed like it should be. But I must realize that even in the church, sometimes in our ministry, we get tired. Don't make it just the responsibility to the person to left and right of you or front or back. Start revival today in your heart and in your life. We said yesterday, if there's one little person that gets a bag and a mom and dad are touched, then we did what God called us to do. Do you hear what I said? What God called us to do, not what we wanted to do. Because trust me, it was hot out there yesterday. Would you all agree? But we did what God called us to do, and we were faithful servants, and we did it out of L-O-V-E, love. And I'm just thankful that I can love the Lord, and that can be expressed to others. You have vital responsibility to help build and build up the church. Each and every one of you must realize that we must build it up in love. Does this not give each of us a dual obligation? Each of us has the vital responsibility of helping to build it up and to strengthen the church. Helping unbelievers coming to faith in Jesus Christ. After all, the church is the only organization in the world which exists for these who are not yet members. So let's reach out and build his body. It cracks me up, and I'm going to say this as I close, that most of us will come to the, the grips and say, that's eh, his responsibility, he was called. Well, you were called the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't leave it up to, to Mr. Entertainer. Don't leave it up to Mr. I'm the prayer. Don't leave it up to Mrs. Hospitality Leader. Don't leave it up to Miss Cleaner. Don't leave it up. You can't do that. We must come together. Would you love to see revival take place in this church? Amen. Then we as a body have got to get together and we've got to start making a difference in this community, in Summit County, in Portage County, in Stark County. We don't have to buy a Hoover building so people can see Faith Family Fellowship. But you know what? They started in the basement of a house because revival started to take place. And God started to do a work in that church. And He is the same God that wants to do a work today in you and through you. Will you let Him? Will you surrender your life to Him? You are the body. Let's get excited. Where are you today in your walk? And your responsibilities not only to Christ but to the church. As part of Christ's body, do you reflect part of Christ's character and carry out your special role in His work? The church. Maybe you've been running from the church. Maybe you've been running from His body. Stop, allow Christ to build a relationship starting today. He urges you to be an encourager, not a discourager. Be a vitamin of the body, not a disease or poison or cancer. Surrender to Him today. Remember, we're all one body. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. 
deposit into people's lives. And there will be a great return on your investment. Do you love God today? Are you fulfilling your role and your responsibility as the body of Christ? Next week, the church is Christ's beloved. Not just the body, but His beloved. Today, as we go to this time of reflection and invitation, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We take a moment at the end of every service. And if you don't know Him, if you were to die today and you're not 100% sure you'd go to heaven, then today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where the relationship starts with you and with Christ. So I encourage you, take that step. Don't allow the seat in front of you to hold you back. Maybe today you've been wandering. Maybe you haven't been growing in the way you should, but Christ wants you to have that intimate relationship with Him. You just lay it on the altar and say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Make Him your hiding place. Cry out to Him. If you'll all stand this morning, I was going to call the praise team forward, but I've picked a song this morning. The words are up there, and you can follow along with us as we sing. It's called, You Are My Hiding Place. This altar and this invitation is for you. And this morning, if you feel the Lord leading you, then you just come and meet Him where He's at. Maybe it's where you're at in your pew. You're more than welcome to sit there and pray. But more than anything, church, I want us all to be in one accord, in unity, fulfilling the Great Commission. Examine your heart this morning. What is your responsibility to Christ? And have you fulfilled it? Or have you just said, no, I'm leaving it up to him. I'm leaving it up to her. I'm not going to do it. Remember, God needs you. Christ needs you to build his kingdom and take care of his wife, the bride of Christ. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today. And Lord, oftentimes, I lose my sense of focus. But this morning, I just pray that, Father, all of us will realize that unity comes right here from this body. And Father God, as we move forward in our own Christian walk and in our life, Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to realize that we can't function if, if a limb of our body is amputated. But Father, we must work together. Lord, I'm excited because I don't know the souls that will be saved in the next seven years, 14 years of what will take place. But I know, Father God, my responsibility to you to make sure that your word is preached and that souls are saved and lives are changed. Father, I pray that we'll all embrace it as a body of believers. Thank you, Father, for the great responsibility that all of us share to build your kingdom and to build your church. So, Father, today, if somebody's here that don't know you or needs freedom or victory over something in their life, today is their day of victory. Lord, I just pray that they'll embrace it in their life. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus Christ who sits at your right hand. And Father, we praise you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.